You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. John chapter 8 in your Bibles. Uh, I have enjoyed uh, preaching through some of the miracles of Jesus. We've talked about his disciples. Our theme for the year is follow Jesus. And uh, this last week during the revival, Brother Joe Arthur preached Monday night and Tuesday night from the Gospel of John, and it was powerful. And uh, I'm, I was planning to preach this message tonight. I, uh, I'm preaching it this morning, and then tonight I'll preach on one of the miracles of Jesus, also found in the Gospel of John. Uh, but I believe this is the message that God has for us this morning, and uh, it is my prayer that uh, you will allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and uh, give you what you need this morning as we look at the Word of God. John chapter 8. Our Father, we love you and we pray that you would speak to us. Help us not to miss what you have from your Word. I thank you for the great singing. My heart has already been so stirred and challenged and blessed uh, to hear these songs about the love of God and to hear that song that, Lord, you would hide us behind your cross We know that we have nothing to glory of. God forbid that we should glory, save in the cross of Christ. And I thank you, Lord, for what you did on Calvary. And I pray that you would remind us of that this morning. And I pray if there's anyone here that does not know Christ as Savior, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. I pray for those that are here in this auditorium. I pray for those watching online, those listening by way of radio. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would uh, be preached in such a way that, uh, Lord, I would not say anything to distract, that I wouldn't add to or take away from your Word. Uh, But I pray that your Word would speak to our hearts. And may it do the work that you desire for it to do in our hearts and lives. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. John chapter 8 is the account, the story of the woman that was taken in adultery. Now, here's what you got to know about this. First of all, uh, the Bible is very clear, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, that adultery is a sin. Adultery is not right. And we know that. I mean, if you're here and you're visiting and you've never been in church, you've never read the Bible, then maybe that's news to you. But most of us here, we know that, we understand that. This passage is not a passage uh, that is used to justify sin. Some people have said, well, look, Jesus didn't condemn her, and and I understand all that. But this is a passage where we have the scribes and Pharisees, and they are out to trick Jesus. The Bible says that they came to tempt him. They were trying to get some ammo that they could use against Jesus. Now, if you're here this morning... And you're here or you're listening online or on the radio and you're trying to find something that you can use against Jesus or you can use to blame God or you can use to critique the Bible. I got news for you. You're not going to find anything because Jesus Christ has never made a mistake. Jesus Christ has never made an error. Jesus Christ has never said anything that was uh, incorrect. He is true. He is holy. He is perfect. He is God. This Bible doesn't have mistakes. This Bible is the perfect word of God. It is inspired. It is preserved. It is inerrant. It is infallible. Now, if you're looking for something to use against the pastor, that won't take you very long to find that. 
Uh, Brother Michael, I enjoyed so much your Sunday school lesson. I enjoyed your transparency. I'm glad that you're not the only one that people say that to. Uh, Brother Michael said uh, he's had people, he'll come back here and people will say, one of these days you're going to be a good preacher, right? I'm still waiting for somebody to say that, you know, they don't even see that yet. But, uh, but you know, if you're looking for something, mistakes in the pastor, you'll find them. If you're looking for mistakes in a church, you'll find them. If you're looking for mistakes in a, a church member or in a spouse or in a boss or in a child or a parent, you will find them because we've got a church that is filled with a bunch of sinners. That's what we are. But when you get your eyes on Jesus, you will find a perfect, holy, sinless, spotless Lamb of God that was sent to take away the sin of the world. And I'm glad that there is no fault in Jesus Christ. The scribes and Pharisees were looking for it. It says in verse 1, Jesus went into the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and he taught them. Number one, I want you to see quickly and I'm going to get to where I'm going, but I see the timing. In this account, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus went early in the morning to the temple. Now, some in the early service might say that it's scriptural to go to the early service, right? Because Jesus went to the temple early. Well, that's not what the Bible says. And by the way, some of you here, you're doing good to get here at 11, right? Some of you missed Sunday school this morning because you overslept. You hit that snooze button too many times or whatever it may be. I'm just glad you're here. But here's what I want to say about the timing. Jesus went to the temple early to teach and to instruct their, uh, the people that were gathered. But did you know anything in life that you want to get done, you better start early. If you've got something that needs to get done, the best time that you can do is you can get up early and get a head start on it. You know why Jesus made it a priority to get up early? You know why he made it a priority to get to the temple? Because he didn't have a lot of time, did he? Jesus' ministry lasted for three and a half years. And you say, oh, well, I got a lot more time than that. Maybe not. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. Whatever we're going to do for the Lord, we better get started today. We better get busy today. But he went early. That was the timing. It was a priority for Christ. He was on a mission. I hope you this morning, I hope you've already made it a point and made it a practice in your life that you get up early in the morning. And you spend time in the Word of God. I hope you make it a, a point to get up early in the morning and to spend time in prayer. I understand maybe you're a night owl. Maybe you do better at night. and Whatever works for you. But I know this. Anything important that I want to get done, it's better if I get it done sooner rather than later. Because that old devil loves to bring distractions, doesn't he? That old devil likes to get you off course. He likes to get you through the day. And you look at the end of the day and you say, I didn't spend time with the Lord like I should have. It is important that we make priorities and do what needs to be done early. Number one, the timing. Number two, I see the temple. I love this. Jesus went to the temple. He went to teach the people. You know why we come to the temple? <laughs> you know why we come to the local New Testament church? You know why we come? i tell you why I come, because I need something from the Lord. And when I come to church, I don't want to just put in my time. I don't just want to come and zone out. I want to get something from God. I want the Holy Spirit to help me. I want to get, I enjoyed Sunday school. 
Uh, Brother Michael uh, taught this morning, and Brother Dan teaches most Sundays in our Victory Bible class. And can I tell you, I get something out of it. You say, well, you're the pastor. Yeah, but guess what? I need something from God. I need something from the Word of God. And I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how much of the Bible you know. You and I need something from God every day. Give us this day our daily bread. We need the Word of God. We need God to teach us. That's why I think it's important to come to church. That's why I think it's important to go to Sunday school. That's why I think it's important to come to Sunday night church and, and hear preaching and come to Wednesday night and hear the Bible study. We're in the book of Revelation and what a, what a helpful study that's been in my own life. That's why we have revival. If you missed revival this past week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I encourage you to go back and watch those services. Let me tell you, I don't know who told Brother Joe Arthur, but every message he preached, I needed it. I enjoyed so much getting to sit by my wife and getting to enjoy the services and, and let God speak. You know why? Because we need something from God. And they came and they sat down and Jesus sat down and he taught them there in the temple. I see number one, the timing. Number two, I see the temple. But then I see number three, I see the tempting. The Bible says, verse three, and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? Verse six, and this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger he wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Number three, I see the tempting. I see the testing. The Bible says that these scribes and Pharisees, they come to Jesus and they're trying to catch him. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to point out his flaws and his failures. And they're trying to see what he's going to do because they've got a woman who is a sinner in their midst. Isn't it interesting that we are so quick to point out the sins of everybody else. Boy, as a matter of fact, some of us are good at that. We can watch somebody's life. We can spend a few minutes with them. We can hear a, a little a, 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 a tidbit of a conversation, and we've got everything figured out how terrible they are. Oh, but on the other hand, look at us. Our sin's not as bad as the next guy, right? Wrong. <laughs> Jesus says to these Pharisees and scribes, these people that they knew the law so well, oh, they were scholars. And he said, okay, fine. Whoever of you is without sin, go ahead. Be my guest. We see the tempting. We see the testing. We see they were trying to trick Jesus. They were telling Jesus what Moses said in the law. Now, I got a question for you. This is not a trick question. But where did Moses get the law from? <laughs> from God. 
Did you know that they're saying, hey, Jesus, Moses said this. And Jesus is probably thinking, yep, that's what he said. And I'm the one that told him what to write. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jesus Christ, He is eternal. He is everlasting. He is the Word of God. And so now they're saying, Moses said this. Well, I want to remind you that sometimes we can be guilty of that. We get enamored with something that a person says. And I understand Moses was given the scriptures under the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. I understand that. But did you know if you come to church and you want to challenge the Bible because you heard a preacher say something different? Or you heard a, a, a teacher say something different? Or you read a book that says something different than the Bible? Or maybe you've got a favorite politician. And that politician said something and boy, you just, you're, you believe that. Or maybe it's a, a news program. Can I tell you, if there's anybody that says anything contrary to what the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. I don't care what a preacher says. I don't care what a politician says. I don't care what a news anchor says. What I care about is what does God have to say? Because God's word is true. They're tempting Jesus. They're looking for something to use against him. And while they're doing that, Jesus is ignoring them. How many of you know there's some people in your life that you're going to have to tune out? About three of you know that. Well, I want to tell you, I learned that. And you be kind to people and you be polite to people and you don't be rude to people. But there's some things you better tune out of your life. There's some criticism. There's some negativity. There's some gossip. There's some complaining. There's some people that will weigh you down. There's some people that will tell you how bad uh, God is and how bad the church is and how the Bible, it doesn't have the answers. I want to tell you something. You better tune that crowd out. Jesus stoops down on the ground and he just starts writing something in the sand there, writing in the ground. That's amazing to me. The Bible does not say what Jesus was writing. But I have an imagination. How about you? And I like to imagine. I wonder what it was what Jesus was writing. I read uh, one commentator wrote this and he said it's very possible that Jesus was writing the passage from Jeremiah 17, 13. In that passage of scripture, God warned that those that departed from him, those that forsook God, he would write them in the earth. Perhaps that was a prophetic statement of what Jesus was doing there. Because these Pharisees and scribes, they had already forsaken God. These people had already turned their backs on God. And now here they are trying to, to tempt and to, to trick and to, to test Jesus and to catch him in a, in a trap. I don't know what Jesus wrote on the ground. But I wonder if Jesus was writing on the ground and maybe he wasn't writing for the scribes and Pharisees. Maybe it was that woman who was caught in adultery and she thought, my life's over. They're going to kill me right here. They're going to punish me right here. And here they brought me to Jesus. And here's Jesus, the, 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 the son of God. Here's Jesus that is sinless and spotless. And what in the world is he going to think about me? I wonder if as she was crying and I wonder as she was scared and I wonder as, as she was wondering what in the world was going to happen, she's got an angry mob. 
She's got people that are ready to kill her, and Jesus is writing in the crown. I wonder if maybe Jesus wrote in the ground the letters L-O-V-E. Aren't you glad he does love us? Aren't you glad God loves us as the Webster sang about? Aren't you glad that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life? Maybe he wrote that. Maybe he wrote the word in the, in the, in the ground, mercy. Whew. Hallelujah for the mercy of God. And friend, if you're not excited about the mercy of God, it's because you're not saved. Because if you've been saved, you've experienced God's mercy. You've experienced the fact that you deserve hell. And I deserve hell. But God in his mercy did not give us what we deserve. Hallelujah for that. Maybe he wrote the word in the sand, forgiven. Wow, I'm glad I've been forgiven. I'm glad that all my sins, uh, that, that as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. I'm glad if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. I don't know what Jesus wrote in the sand. Oh, but I do know something. I know what he wrote in his word. And I don't have to guess what he wrote on the ground. The Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote on the ground. But he's given us an entire book. He's given us 66 books of the Bible that is God's love letter to you. It is God's message. It is a message of hope. It is a message of assurance. It is a message of faith. It is a message that we know that God's word is true. I say all that just to say, you don't have to wonder what Jesus wrote on the ground that day because you know what he has written in his word. Reminds me of the story. I heard this was years ago. Of course, I grew up in Illinois, and uh, my wife grew up in Iowa. There's a lot of farm country in Illinois and Iowa. Anybody ever been through Illinois and Iowa? Few of you have. It's not all Chicago, let me tell you that. And most of it is just flat cornfields. But there was a young man who was trying to figure out what he was supposed to do with his life. And one day he was out in the fields, he was working on the farm and he saw in the clouds he saw what looked like two letters that were in the clouds he said that must be a message from God that must be God telling me what he wants me to do and the letters were PC he went to church that Sunday he said pastor he said God wants me to preach Christ and he said I just I know it I can see it he wrote it in the clouds for me and so that pastor said well, son, I don't know about that, but we'll give you, give you a shot. And he, he preached that Sunday. After he got done with that message, the pastor said, son, I don't think it was preach Christ. I think it was plant corn. And here's what I'm saying. If God wants you to preach, he'll show you through his word. He'll tell you through the Holy Spirit. You don't have to look at it for a message in the clouds. You don't have to look for a message in the sand. All you got to do is look for a message in the word of God. And God has spoken through his word. I see number four. I see the text. We've already talked about it. But the text is Jesus writing on the ground, but yet Jesus speaking with his mouth. And here's what he spoke to those men. He said, he that is without sin among you, let him cast first a stone at her. You know, there's a lot of things in this story that the Bible does not tell us. 
One thing I think that's interesting is that the Bible says that they caught this woman in the act of adultery. But they didn't bring the man. Isn't that interesting? They brought the woman and they wanted to say how bad she was. Well, I got news for you. Adultery takes two. And maybe for these scribes and Pharisees, maybe it was a friend of theirs. Maybe it was a buddy of theirs. I don't know, that. I don't know all that, but I know this. They brought the woman and they wanted to tell Jesus how bad she was. And Jesus said it like this. If you're without sin, why don't you cast the first stone? And the Bible says, verse number nine, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman was standing in the midst. I see number five, quickly, I see the tragedy. Here's the tragedy of this story. These scribes and Pharisees, they have come to Jesus, they've asked a question, and Jesus gives them an answer. And the Bible says that answer was so piercing. That answer was so powerful that every one of them were convicted in their own conscience. And here's the tragedy. They didn't do anything about it. The Bible says they left. They walked out from the oldest to the youngest. They left. And friend, I want to tell you, here's what's so sad is that here you are at a church service and here we are uh, at an assembly where God loves us and God has given us his word and he's given us the Holy Spirit. And yet sometimes we will experience the conviction of God and not do a thing about it. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're not saved. Maybe you do not know for sure that heaven is your home. You do not know where you'll spend eternity. And God is working on your heart. And the Holy Spirit is tapping you right now saying, He's talking to you. This is for you. And maybe that's even happened before. But you haven't done anything about it. Maybe you've got up and you've left the service without doing something about what God is speaking to you about. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've been saved. But maybe there are some things in your life like this woman caught in adultery. Can I tell you, adultery is a sin. Hebrews 13, the Bible says, Old Testament, thou shalt not commit adultery. Hebrews 13, the Bible says, marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Adultery is a sin. Fornication is a sin. Uh, these, these things are sinful. These are not right. And if you're living in that sin, you need to get it right. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe your sin is not the sin like this woman. Maybe your sin is the sin like the Pharisees. You just think you're better than everybody else. You've got a whole backyard full of sin, but you're too busy looking at everybody else's life and trying to get everybody else's sin identified. Friend, I want to tell you, your job is to keep your heart right with God. My job is to keep my heart right with God and let God take care of the rest. But how sad, how tragic that these scribes and Pharisees were convicted, but they didn't do anything about it. They walked away. Lastly, I see quickly, number six, the truth. The truth is that we have all sinned. We all have sinned. And if you're here today and you say you haven't sinned, you just did because you just lied. We're all a bunch of sinners. The truth is that we should be more concerned about our own sin than we are about the sins of everyone else. 
I think that's the truth of this story here. Jesus is not saying that this woman was justified. He's not saying that it was okay for her. As a matter of fact, Jesus says at the end, he says, woman, neither do I condemn thee. Go and what? Sin no more. That's the truth. I'll say another truth is this. We ought to all today rejoice in the fact that God forgave us, that God forgave our sin, because if it were not for the forgiveness of our sin by a holy God because of the price that Jesus paid on Calvary, we all would be lost and on our way to hell. The Bible says in the book of Romans, there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ. That's what Jesus said here. He said, neither do I condemn thee. You say, well, how could Jesus not condemn her? Because Jesus didn't come to this earth to condemn sin. He came to save from sin. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to pay the price. He came to be the condemnation for us so that we would not have to experience the wrath and the judgment of God. I see the truth is this. Go and sin no more. Notice verse number 11. Go and sin no more. The answer is not to say, oh, well, Jesus didn't condemn this woman, so I guess she could just go on and keep living in sin and keep doing whatever she wanted to do. No, absolutely not. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying this. You learn from your mistakes. You confess it. You forsake it. You get it right. And then you go out and you live your life for God. You live your life to please God. You live a life that is pure and holy and you do what's right. Friend, I want to tell you, we live in a society where sin is getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, we're living in a society where sin is glorified and, and sin is promoted. We are now in our nation. We are living in the month of June that is Pride Month. Where, where the sins of the, uh, the homosexuals and the lesbians and all those folks, where they are promoting that sin. I got news for you. Those sins are an abomination in the sight of God. But so are your sins. And so are my sins. And you say, well, what are we going to do with all those wicked people out there? We're going to pray for them. We're going to love them. Rather than condemning and talking about how bad they are, why don't we get our own backyard clean? Why don't we try to get our own hearts right? Why don't we look in the mirror and make sure that we're not the scribes and Pharisees who like to point out everything else and then live however we want to live? The truth of the matter is this. As Jesus told this woman, he said, go and sin no more. On this earth, in this life, Brother Michael, you talked about it in Sunday school in your introduction. When you got saved, you became a new creature in Christ. You became justified. That is something that takes place in an instant, in a moment. You don't have to work on that. Jesus did all the work on the cross so you could be saved. But sanctification, on the other hand, that's a process. That's a, I'll say it like this, that's a daily struggle. That's a fight. Say, what does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be holy. And it means to be set apart for God's glory and for God's honor. And I'll tell you this, I'm glad I'm saved. But I don't just want to be saved. I want to be sanctified. I want to be holy. And I want to live my life. 
Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.